Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. How are you on this fine day? I quit, Nikki. You quit? I quit. No, you yeah. can't quit. I quit. <laughs> I'm leaving. And I can't quit. I'm rolling it up. It's done. Load Intern, load the wagon. Load the wagon. We're hitting the road. We're getting a new job. Uh, uh, that's what we're talking about today. When is it time to start thinking, uh, hey, should I be looking at a new job? This has come into us. It, it's like a, it's like a meteor shower. You get at first you get hit with a little one, and then they get slightly bigger, and suddenly the dinosaurs are at risk. And uh, that's where we are with today's topic: the dinosaurs are at risk. Yes, you know Pete's metaphors. Where did that come from? Let's talk about Pete's metaphors for a minute. Sometimes they work. Sometimes the dinosaurs are at risk. So uh, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, before we do that, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the homepage uh, on the website, or you can subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control. ADHD, as always. And if this show has ever touched you, if it's ever changed your life in any even in small way that has made a difference in how you live your life with ADHD, we invite you to consider uh, supporting the show directly by becoming a member at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Members get access to the uh, fantastic Discord community, the, the ADHD group, uh, the access to the ADHD members-only Facebook page, and you get early access to this very podcast with no sponsor membership messages in it at all. That's right. If you were a member, you would be able to subscribe to this show in your very personal feed uh, and not hear me talking right now. I, we would already be talking about the show. It's like living in the future. Uh, you'd also get, uh, at, at our supreme level, you get access to a monthly video workshop that Nikki and I do every single month and access to all of the uh, downloads, worksheets, and forms that can help you structure your life with ADHD. Thank you to those of you who have already joined the membership community and thank you to those who are considering jumping over there right now at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast and supporting the show yourself. We deeply appreciate it. Let's start with a question. Would you would you like me to read it? Yes, please. I was just listening to your most recent podcast, and you and Pete both mentioned people in your lives that you think could have ADHD but haven't been diagnosed. I've also encountered people who show signs that are borderline and then people who seem like obvious textbook ADHD cases that haven't been diagnosed. I wondered if you had thought about doing a podcast episode about how to handle these people when you encounter them whether to mention it to them tactfully or just leave it or what. I've often wondered what to do because on the one hand, I want to share information that might help them, but I don't want to offend them or diagnose them. And there was also a similar question that popped up in the Discord feed recently too about uh, same kind of situation. So I thought it'd be good for us to to touch base a little bit on this. Mm -hmm. 
we can always do an episode later, but I, I definitely, because this came in now, I wanted to address it. Right. So what, what do you think, Pete? I'm going to put you on the spot first. Well, and this, you know, the conversation for me started because, uh, uh, you know, I had a conversation with about a family member who said, you know, I think, I, I, I think he's got ADHD and he's been living with it all his life. And, and, uh, so I, I, I tend to, when I run into this case, I, I, I tend to to handle it with humor and um, will often say something just like, because people know I have ADHD. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loud and proud about that. And, uh, and so, you know, I run in with somebody else and I'll say, so how's your ADHD? When I see something that's obviously ADHD related, you know, I'll just, just say it out loud and we'll laugh about it. And, you know, it, it depends, uh, kind of how, you know, what they've been thinking about their experience with ADHD, whether or not we'll, we'll have a conversation about it. What I find is when they're ready to have the conversation, that little dose of humor will actually cause them to respond seriously and say, you know, I've been thinking about that. It's funny you should mention it. It's funny you should say that out loud. And then we'll be able to have a conversation and I'll have the opportunity to, as our commenter says, to share uh, information that might be helpful in, in um, you know, helping them live their lives. I find if, if, they, if we just laugh about it and they don't respond, they're not ready to talk about it. And I don't want to push. I don't want to, uh, you know, I certainly, I'm not selling anything for, for God's right. sake. You know, I just, just want to help them out. So yeah. humor, humor is my, is my short answer. Go to. Yeah. What do you do? So in my situation or in the situations that I've been around, um, humor did, it has not gone over real well with my husband. <laughs> and so <laughs> he gets mad. I, that, uh, you know, that, I got to say, that doesn't surprise me. I don't think it would go over well with my wife either. No. But there's no. there are different reasons for that. Yeah, there's different reasons for that. But, uh, you know, I have definitely still on a very serious level said, you know, you may want to look into this, but but you're in a different place too because you're a coach. Like that's right. That's your badge. You come into this yeah. with a badge, right? Right. Uh, with my daughter, um, we're in the process right now of getting. Uh, I don't know if it's a diagnosis yet. We're in a process. We're in the process mm -hmm. of having her get tested, and that was an interesting thing because I've always suspected it for a while, um, and we have kind of talked about it back and forth. And then there was some humor that kind of went into it. Like, oh, okay, there's your ADHD, you know? Oh, what's going on? Focus, Paige, I'm right here, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, and then it got to the point where she had said a couple of things about school that made me think, okay, this is, this is not just funny. This is like, this is something that we need to, to address. And, and then it became from humor to more seriousness. Like we need to go talk to a doctor about this. And so, um, you know, she, my daughter it w is very insightful. Um, and so it wasn't a hard conversation to have with her about it. And again, you're right. I come from a different background, right? I've got the ADHD badge, I guess you say. Um, mm -hmm. But with people that you don't know very well or like coworkers or friends or even extended family members, I think it is a little trickier. You know, I, I, uh, I like your approach of being humorous. And I also like the approach of just being transparent about your own self and saying, yeah. Hey, I have ADHD and man, I can't tell you how many times I've been late to something or, and try to kind of 
relate to them in a way, whatever you're seeing. I think that can help because then they'll see that if they really are struggling with, you know, whether this is them or not, and they see you talking about it, it may give them that open door to, to come in and talk to you about it. Right. I would just be careful not to necessarily say, hey, I think you have ADHD or be too direct or anything like that because it could offend somebody. Um, and if they really are trying to figure that out, it could hurt their feelings. I mean, we just don't know. But I think if you're transparent about your own self and um, you go into it with a little bit light lightness to it, that it will evolve. I mean, it's, it's something will probably open up if it's, if it truly is a diagnosis, right? Yeah, yeah, so, right. Um, but I think it's great that this question came up because it just shows, you know, that our community cares, right? I mean, we care about other people. We care about what's going on with them. And if we see something that they're struggling with, we want to help them. Yeah, And right. uh, I think that's a great thing and a great characteristic. And whether it's ADHD or not, it, you know, keep doing that because that's really yeah. nice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Uh, and now uh, let's let's seriously let's seriously quit. Let's quit. Quit. Let's yeah. quit the quit the Time work. Quit. How did this? Uh, it's the dinosaurs are struggling. Yeah, those dinosaurs. So this they came, came a long this time came ago. in inspired by uh, <laughs> uh, m- members of our community, and the the response this morning was, I have to say, uh, hysterical. The the uh, uh, people who commented to the live stream post saying, uh, "Yeah, I relate." <laughs> right. It's just it's, it's about me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I I assure you, it's not about you. Right. It's about all. As of you're us. nodding your head, yes. <laughs> Now nobody can see this except for the, the, the live people stream, who are right. watching the live stream. But yeah, you're not your yes, this is not about yes. This is it is not no. about you. It's yeah. uh, it's about just it's about yes. So I I, I feel like uh, it, it's a great place to to uh, I think it's a great place to have a sober discussion because there's so much emotion that's wrapped up into uh into where we contribute a large portion of our lives every single day. And uh, so yeah. we we feel strongly about these things. And it's very easy when you're compromised to get to to respond emotionally, to respond from a, a place of of frustration or anger. So how do we and have fear. this conversation? Uh, yeah. Fear. Definitely yeah, fear. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 So uh as I was telling Pete earlier before we pushed record, this is definitely something that is a very common topic in in uh my conversations with my clients, um, that maybe they're not happy in a current job, but they don't know if it's time to move on. But they're also wondering, you know, is it something that I could be doing different and I could stay in this job and maybe there's a way that this job could be better. I mean, there's a lot of different kind of scenarios here. Um, I thought before we kind of go into questions and things like that, if, if maybe you and I could just, you know, share our experience a little bit about when we left jobs, like what, what, what made you decide to actually pull the plug and say, I'm leaving? Well, that question's not a can of worms at all. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Let's do that. You, you want to go yeah. first? Do you want me to go first? I can go first because mine's pretty simple. I mean, okay. if you look at my job, my job history, it's not anything like real complicated. Um, I think for me, when I look back at my, you know, since I've been working since college graduation, um, it was one of those things that 
it, maybe it started off well, but if I started really dreading it, like, oh man, here's Sunday was like depressing, <laughs> you know, then I probably, I, I kind of knew that there, it was probably time to kind of start moving on. Yeah. I think that when you're young too, you sort of have this like, uh, advantage of being able to move on and it's not that big of a deal because you're really probably not making that much money anyway you're you know it's 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 not as hard to leave um you know there was one particular position that i really hated and that was being in sales i just knew that that was not my personality and so after doing that for a while i just knew that this was not something i was ever going to get going to do or be happy with. So I think that there's lessons to be learned too when you try new jobs and you realize, yeah, this is not for me or this is for me. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I never just hated a job so much. Um, most I've had a pretty good, pretty good experience for the most part. And then I was a stay at home mom for a while too, before I got into coaching. So I had that job. I think the 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 frame for this for my part of this conversation is all around like pre ADHD diagnosis mm-hmm. and post ADHD diagnosis. Uh, the my first the first job I left, uh, I was out of television and I had been working at a TV station in Denver. Shout out KMGH TV, and uh, I. I, I found myself frustrated about everything. I was frustrated about the guy I worked for. I was frustrated about the the work I was doing, even though they, by all rights, they were giving me amazing, uh, uh, you know, opportunities. Right? They they taught me new things. This was just at the advent of nonlinear editing. For those who who you know are familiar with some of these things, I, they gave me Avid certification. They gave me all kinds of these great tools that I would have in my resources. I didn't know why I hated it so much. Like I'd grown up in television and I was just really confused. And I literally left the country. I moved to Korea to teach. Uh, and that was that was a great transition for me. But in hindsight, I have no idea. Like I, I, I now know that it was in large part because I didn't know how to rationalize my ADHD symptoms with the work that I was tasked to do every day. And I was confused and I was young and I just didn't get it. And I came back from Korea and I got a job at a at a consultancy and I was doing a project management consultancy. And I, and I, I found myself, I remember this experience very clearly. Like I was so frustrated. It was like a tea kettle. You know, I was about to boil over. And uh, one day I was asked to uh, the, to set up an email address for a new uh, employee, a new peer. And the new employee's last name was Nilprabhasorn. It was like long. It was a very long name. And my director, my boss came and said, you, you have to use the standard format for the name, which was first name dot last name. Even though this new person said, just use my nickname, J Nil, at, at whatever the company was. And my boss said, you can't do it. You've got to use the long name. And I blew up in the middle of the office. I blew up at her about how stupid this email address system was. And I walked out of the office. And <laughs> now here we are, you know, 20 years later. And I look back at that and I think that's I, I was I was frustrated and overstimulated and about so many other things that mm-hmm. one stupid little task that I don't even normally have responsibility for in the office caused me to explode and and leave the office. Now I didn't quit that day, but that was the long road down uh, you know that that began the road down to me just ending up leaving that job. Right. Since my diagnosis, I haven't left a single job. Right. Wow, that's interesting. 
So long story, short story long yeah. is what that is. What that well, is. and everybody's going to have a different story, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody has different job experiences and things like that. Um, and I think that if you're even considering leaving your job, there's probably something wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. It wouldn't even be on your radar right. if if you weren't if there wasn't something going on. Well, so, and I think that's that's where that's a point I want to I want to make because my experience because of the way I integrated my ADHD diagnosis into my life and because I got it late and you know, I I I guess that's a part of it. But um for me, I put a lot of weight on ADHD as a reason that I was unsatisfied at other jobs. And therefore, right. my jobs after that, and I haven't had that many, but the fact that I've had so many clients that I've been working with for the longest time, um, I think is a result of me realizing when I am compromised, it's it it I go to the ADHD first and try to solve it as an ADHD problem and mm-hmm. not as a I quit problem. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate the job problem or I'm not happy with the client problem. Right, right. Because there may be an accommodation or something that you can do to tweak that a little bit and and it will be better for you. Absolutely. And that's telling, too, whether or not it is an ADHD issue versus I just really hate working with this person. Yes. Or, you know, this boss is not very nice or whatever, say other words. But we're going to say PG-13 or (laughs) PG-13. Okay. So this is the thing. I have some questions because I'm a coach. I ask a lot of questions. What I'd like you to do, Pete, for me and for our listeners is that take some of these questions and put them into our show notes so that people don't have to take notes right now as they're listening to this podcast. So stop writing, everybody. Stop writing. You can find the show notes. This is episode 403, public service announcement. If you go to the website, takecontroladhd.com slash podcast slash 403. You just type the word or the number 403 and then hit return or enter or whatever your keyboard says. You'll go to the show notes for this episode directly. You can also find them in the podcast player that you're using right now. Uh, So there you go. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm going to actually change my plan a little bit here because you made a really good point about is, you know, where does my ADHD come into play? So I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to ask a follow-up question about where does the ADHD come into play? So yeah, it's going to be fun. So first question, of course, is what's causing you to even think about this question of whether I should stay or go? Because as we know, if it was on, if it was not on your radar, there's not an issue, but there's a radar. It's on your radar. There's an issue. So what what's causing you to think about it? And what are you what are you complaining about when you when you talk about your job? What is the most painful piece of it? Right. So we want to look at what you're complaining the most about. And then I want to take that to is this does this have anything to do with your ADHD? And, uh, you know, is there an accommodation or something that if, if it was taken away or, you know, it's so hard because we're talking about in such broad terms, but I, again, I just want you to think about why you're considering the question, what you're complaining about and how does that relate to your ADHD? Probably the simplest way of putting that. How would you describe your relationship with your boss? Something that I found when I was in HR, human resources, is most people, Um, When they leave a company, it doesn't have to do with money, which most people think it might, right? Oh, it's better, 
better pay if I go to this other company. Um, but that's not the case. Most people leave because of the relationship that they have with their uh, boss. Yeah. So if they don't have a good relationship with their boss, they're more likely to leave. Even for less money, they'll go to a different job because they don't like working with the person that they're working for. So that has a lot to do with, uh, I think, making that decision. If you don't have a good relationship with your supervisor, um, you know, that's that's definitely something you have to think about because that's going to be the quality of your days working yeah. there, right? There's a wonderful, uh, 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 a wonderful business educator, Roger Martin, uh, who is uh, he's now retired, but he was uh, he's a big deal. And he said in tasks of the mind, monetary incentives are not sound motivators. Right. right. In tasks of the, and that you were describing exactly that the research bears out that uh, you're not going to be motivated by by money or if you are, it will be very short lived. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think that the only exception to that would be is if it's a promotion, more money, uh, you know, it has to have a lot yeah. of different aspects to it. You but, love but the it's, company. Yeah, but it's going yeah, to be about the responsibility or yeah, the, yeah, it's not strictly just about the it's money. It's not going to be about you the money. It. You're going to forget that in a matter of weeks. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and you also have to think about your coworkers too. Now, this is the thing. As an HR person, um, I don't believe you have to love your coworkers. Like you don't have to want to hang out with them after the end of the day, you know. Um, but you do have to get along with them and you have, you know, they have to be pleasant, I guess, right? But you don't have to love them. So there is a, there is sort of a fine line, like, you know, is it... Um, is it okay? Is it workable? You know, but again, if you got a coworker that you absolutely dislike, you have to think about that. Or if you feel like they're sabotaging you in some way, you have to think about that. Um, so you're the, the relationships within the job, I think are going to make a big difference. If you were still doing this job two years from now, would you be happy or would you be mad at yourself? Oh yeah. Capturing that, uh, self self-loathing that handy, a handy dandy self-loathing feeling that judgment that you've you have been long suffering yeah and yeah. made the wrong decision right and this oh, is the man, joe I... versus a volcano syndrome right <laughs> uh, you right. just when you feel yourself walking up to the gate and ev your world goes black and white and all you hear is 16 tons and what do you get right i mean it's just <laughs> it's just uh singing the blues or are you energized is your world in color Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you holding on to your current job because you are afraid of change? I think fear is probably one of the biggest factors of changing a job. And why wouldn't it be? Right. Like, I'm not going to deny that. I mean, there is a lot of risk when you're leaving a job. Um, and so I think asking yourself that question is like, yeah, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid to leave this job and see what the future is. Then that's what you also have to dive into is, you know, what, let's tackle that fear and uh, work through that because that will continue keeping you stuck. Right. And, and it is a risk. There is a chance that a job, a new job may not work out. We don't know. We right. don't know what the future holds. Right. Um. Let's see. Are there more things that you like about your job than you don't like? Now, I put this in here for a specific reason, because I don't know if there's ever just like a perfect job where you just love every aspect of it. 
right? I love my work. I love what I do. I love podcasting, but there are still things that, that, you know, I would be like, oh, I could be okay without this part. Yeah. Or I could do this. You know, I would, I'm okay with delegating this out or not doing it at all. You know, um, so no job is perfect. And so I think it, it is really kind of looking at the pros and cons. Are there more things that you like than you dislike? And are those things that you dislike going back to that ADHD factor? Are there things that you could do to get support or help or? Uh, some somehow be able to accommodate yourself on those things that you don't like. It, it's easy when you get in, an, an, and we'll use James Ochoa's words, in an emotional storm to magnify the things that you don't like and make those all of the things of the job, right? To forget right. the things that you do like. And I think that's that's where, you know, doing this sort of an assessment really helps because you, I mean, it, it, you should just do a, a you know, Ben Franklin T-square chart. I don't like these. Sure. I like these. And just make a list and uh, and, and give yourself the opportunity to see, to, to actually have that visual stimulus that says, you know, there are more things when I itemize them that I do like than those that I don't like. I just feel so strongly about the don't likes right now. How do I attack those? How do right. I make them better? Yeah, yeah. And I have an exercise that I want to share a little bit oh, later good. that is uh, kind of similar to that pros and cons that yeah. you're talking about. Uh, let's see. So basically, from what you're saying, can you live with what you don't like? Yeah. You know, are those the things that you can live with? Um, can you change them? Is it possible to change them? There may not be. I remember you and I doing a podcast a long time ago um, with a, um, oh, it, she does the same type of work that your what your wife does. Um the therapist, the the speech path. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I remember all the paperwork and everything that she was right. talking about. And you were really honest. You're like, you know, my wife deals with this. Her coworkers deal with this. It's like there is a lot of paperwork to this, and so there are things that we can't change. It's just part of the job. So you have to decide if it's something that that you can do. Can you accommodate for it? If you can't, then you know what is that the opportunity then to right. look for different. I don't know. Could be. Um, Do you feel supported at your job? Do you see opportunities for growth? I think the support again goes back to that that relationship that you have with your coworkers and with your boss, how supported you feel about it. Can you afford to quit your job before finding a new one? Now, this is a lot of the fear, right? Is that I know I can't quit right now because I depend on this job. Um, and so maybe that's the case, but that doesn't need, that doesn't mean that you have to stop looking for a job. You can stay in your job and still be looking for another one. Right. So you have to kind of know financially where you stand. Mm -hmm. I also know people who have quit and given themselves about a month or two before they were to look for another job and they had savings and they were able to afford that. So it just depends on you know your situation. I've I've never had that uh, that opportunity. I when I've I quit, either. yeah. I mean, it, when I've quit, it's usually been out of you know exasperation and yeah, uh, effectively giving up on a current situation and and always put me in the mode to hustle. But I, you know, 
as we record this now, knowing that it's, you know, going into the archives soon. But, uh, you know, it's 2019, it's September, and the job market is is pretty hot. Like, I, I just read this article saying that the job market is so hot right now that people are, are, are hired and then just not showing up on the first day. Like, they're, they are hired and okay. Like, if, if that's the kind of market we're in, maybe now is a pretty good opportunity to, to right. look for something new, depending yeah. on, obviously, your field. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting um, because I haven't been in that situation either. But I've always, so whenever I have quit a job, I, I've always had another job lined up. So um, I made it a point to look for that other job. So that's the other piece that yeah. we have to look at is that if you're complaining and you're really upset about this job, you still then at that point, what do you do next? If yeah. you're, if you already made that choice that I am going to be looking for a new job, then that's an active thing that you have to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, that can take time. I, I would also throw out there from the ADHD perspective that the act of looking for a job is a high signal, high calorie uh, experience, right? I mean, yeah. it, looking for a job is a job. And, is, you know, yeah. depending on your, um, you know, depending on your wherewithal, your your state, your state, you know, relative to ADHD emotional storms with your current job, uh, you may find it difficult to go into interviews, to go into the process of preparing cover letters and resumes, uh, you know, while you are under the stress of your current job, you may find that a demotivator and a challenge. And so I, I would just throw out there that you you might be in a better space if you not look for a job, but focus on just saving a couple of extra weeks of, uh, you know, of living expenses so that you can officially quit your job and devote yourself, your whole heart, to looking for a new opportunity, a new place for you to contribute. Because I think doing both uh, is a recipe for, well, distraction and confusion, and and it can be a real challenge. So I definitely agree that I it, it can definitely be a challenge. And that's where I would actually say, if you can't even do the two weeks off or whatever, you know, because that's still scary. What if yeah. you don't get a job in two weeks? Yeah. You know, what if you can't start for another month or a month and a half? Um, if that isn't the option, you know, get support. Don't do this on your own. This is a project. Yeah. So ask somebody to help you break that project down so it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And and it probably starts with updating your resume. Maybe you have somebody look at it. Hire somebody. Or You know, there's lots of different resume uh, writers out there. Um, if you don't want to do it yourself, you know, write, get that piece done. Mm -hmm. Update your social profiles. Do th these things that you need to do and do it in small pieces, small little mm -hmm. chunks so that it's not so overwhelming. Right. Yeah, I, that's a great point. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do while you're searching, while you're working at another job, especially if you outsource with to support teams. Right. 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 Uh, the last question that I want to ask is that, you know, how do you feel about your, your work and life balance? This is a tricky, tricky word balance. What does that even mean? Um, we could have a whole podcast on it. We probably will yeah. at some point. Um, but I think that that's, that is something to think about. I remember, um, there was a time where my sister was working and she was working the incredible, hours, overtime hours. And, and it was crazy. And the job that she had, 
it, you know, it, it wasn't that important. And it was like, why are you busting your butt every day on the weekends to get this stuff done when, you know, in the reality of it, it can be done on Monday, you know, or it can be, it's not your fault that you're that backed up. It's kind Mm -hmm. of the company's fault that they didn't have, you know, enough people to do the work. And so it was really kind of this like sit down, think about whether this was worth sacrificing the time that she was you know, giving away when the work she was doing was very tedious. It wasn't that, I mean, it was important to the company, but it wasn't like uh, she, she wasn't a brain surgeon, Mm -hmm. you know, she wasn't saving people's lives. She wasn't going into buildings that were on fire. I mean, this was just clerical work that was backed up and it's like, you have to decide what is that boundary for Mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. A job, I remember when, when I first graduated from college, my mom um, said to me, you know, a job is just a job. If you don't like it, get a new one. Right. You spend too much time there to not like it. Right. So just get a new one. And that's all stuck thing, with me. Same thing can be said for mattresses. Yeah. You spend too much time there to not be in one that you like. <laughs> that you like. That's right. That's and it should do the same thing. This is amazing. You know what? I feel like I've really recovered from that dinosaur metaphor. Mattresses and jobs. Now that's something I can really that's sink my teeth into because totally they should both Yeah, they should do the same thing. You should feel nourished and uh and warm rested. and rested and and encouraged. You should This is great. No, mattresses yeah. and jobs. You're yeah. welcome, world. <laughs> that's right. Wait. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> So let's say you are looking for a new job, Pete, right? Let's say you've answered all these questions. You're like, yes, I'm ready. I'm moving on. Yeah. So what do you look for when you have ADHD? Because you have to consider your ADHD when you are looking for a new job. Yeah. Uh, And the first thing that I have to suggest, and I think anybody would suggest if you were to do research on this, is do what you love. If at all possible, do something you're passionate about. Um, You know, I was reading an article about this and they were saying, make a list. What are you good at? What do you like to do? And what will somebody actually pay you to do? And this is a good point. I mean, this is a good starting point. You know, what are you, what are you, I can't speak. What are you good at? Mm -hmm. What do you like? What are you passionate about? What will somebody pay you? I mean, there's so many options. And so part of looking for a new job, I would say doesn't even necessarily have to be to get your resume ready. Just start doing some research. Start looking to see what kind of positions are out there. Network, talk to people, do informational interviews. If there's a position that somebody has that you're interested in, ask to to see if you can talk to them about it. Um, You know, those are the things that you want to start with because with ADHD, uh, and you know this, Pete, if you don't like your job, if it's boring, you're not going to stay. You're just not going to, it's not going to work out. Right, right. The little things will either become massive things or they'll become forgotten altogether. Right, right. Uh, Focus on your strengths. I think this also goes into doing what you love. If you're creative, look for jobs that offer that opportunity for new ideas. Look for jobs that have a lot of variety um, in them where you're not doing the same thing over and over again so that you can use your creativity. If you work well under pressure, find a job that is quick paced, constantly changing. 
Uh, think about the firefighters, paramedics, nurses. Um, those people, you know, are really good under pressure. They're calm. 911 operators, you know, all of these different positions that, that could, um, use somebody that is that has that adrenaline if you are social and you love working with people look for those jobs where you're of a service you know whether that's customer service um, helping the elderly helping teach uh uh, children, teachers, all of those kinds of things, you know, are going to get you that social piece that you need. And if you really enjoy helping people, it's going to give you that piece too. Um, and when you're interviewing with people, please highlight your strengths and be proud of them and talk them up. You are not arrogant by doing this. You're not looking um, like you're, you know, you have a big head, you're confident. And I think it's really important that we um, recognize the things that you're really good at. And uh, those are the places that you're going to, to thrive. If you already know you don't like something, <laughs> Don't don't try to think that you're going to like it all of a sudden at a different place. Oh, that's huge <laughs> because you hear this all the time. Oh, this yeah. is such a good one. When when your hiring manager will tell you something and you'll hear it and it's a trigger and you realize, oh, I don't like that. But then they say something like this. Don't worry. It's a small part of the job. Right. Right. That should be the trigger. Don't right. worry. It's a small part of the job means, well, that's a job I'm going to completely ignore. If it's yeah. part of your responsibilities and you hate it, that's not a good job for you. Right. right. Oh, that's Absolutely. yeah, that's the worst that uh, I've I've made that mistake. It's a bad one. Well, and it's interesting, too, because I think we fool ourselves. Like if you hate being in the insurance industry. Yeah. Just going to a different insurance company is not going to make a difference. Right. And you see this all the time in insurance, in pharmaceutical sales, in like those, those are people. Yeah, they they have a unique set of skills and they end up bouncing from company to company thinking, oh, it's just it's a different drug that that makes me feel better about my contribution. But that doesn't last very long. But it doesn't last. If you don't love it, it's not for you. And I got to tell you, I had a client who was in between, he was, he was going to school and looking for a job and, and, uh, and I just loved his insight because he said, you know, and he was just looking for like a, um, like a grocery type of job, just a part-time position to Mm kind of get him through school. And he's like, but I got to tell you, Nikki, I've worked in the deli before and I hated it. I'm not going back to the deli. And I'm like, (laughs) where did I get that? Like, good for you for knowing that you don't like it. And even though there may be an opening at the deli, doesn't mean you need to go get it because, you know, there's other jobs. And seriously, if you've ever been to a deli and asked for meat from someone who hates their job, you can tell right away because you always I get this. We have somebody at our deli that hates their job. And when I say I'd like ham and I'd like it shaved, I want thin sliced ham and they hate that. And so they say, "Okay, how much now? Oh, they hate it. They just hate it. That's not that's not a good no. job for you. No, no. Uh, last point of this, and I still have a few more things to talk about. This is a longer show than I expected. I'm so sorry. That's my fault. I, I, I think it's important that when you're looking for a job, and this is for anybody, whether you have ADHD or not, you got to look at the company's culture. And if you get the sense that they're very corporate and everything has to be done by the book and they're very, you know, rule oriented, it's probably not going to be the best place for you. 
Now, you you might like the structure, but at some point, it's probably not going to be the right place. So you got to get, you got to look at the background, like do your research, look at the company culture. Do you need something that's maybe a little bit more laid back, a little bit more creative, a little bit more, um, you know, willing to think outside the box? You know, just do your research. Ask those questions at the interview because you don't have the job yet. You So you're, you're not at any like, you know, you're not really going to hurt yourself by asking these questions about their culture. How would you explain it? You don't have to tell them what you think or what you want, but have them explain what it's like to work there. Mm -hmm. What was it like for this person who I'm replacing? What was it like for them? What was their day-to-day like? Why did they leave? Why are you, why are you hiring this position? Like get those questions answered. This is just as much of an interview of you to them as it is to them to you. And you want to, you know, do your research and, and, uh, and when you find the right one, you'll be excited about it. That's right. Yeah, that's a great point. And and don't forget it. Uh, They, that you have every right to ask the same questions back. The very same questions. Why is this position open? How often is it open? Now, it's been a long time since I have interviewed. So I I don't know what it's like in today's, you know, environment. I know back when I did it, I didn't get a lot of questions back. And when I did, I really appreciated it. Yeah. So you're talking about you as a hiring manager. As as an hiring manager. Right. Yeah. I very rarely did I get people to ask very rarely ask me questions. Yeah. So this is the little thing that I want to share with you. I was working with a client um, and it's what how she did this was in a different context because she was actually doing it for an educational um, decision that she had to make. But we were talking about how you could do this this process that she went through if you were looking for a job. And so I want to go through it. And and uh, I thought it was really creative. And uh, it's really good for people who may feel like they have imposter syndrome. So let's say you're offered a job and you're not sure if you should take it or not because imposter syndrome has come over you. Like the dinosaurs. Right. (laughs) Duck. (laughs) Right? Right. Those dinosaurs, the little ones think they're big. The big ones think they're little. It's just a mess. (laughs) Yeah. So to be clear of what imposter syndrome is, it's the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. So it's it's uh, really that idea of, oh, what if I get found out? Like, I'm not as much of an expert as I thought I was. Or mm-hmm. they I am an expert, but they think I'm more of an expert. What if they find that out that right. I don't have all the answers? I hope I'm not tested because I won't live up to it. Yeah. Right. It's a it's an old fave around these parts. It is. It's 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 yeah. It's a constant fight. But this is what the idea was. Um, so my client, what she did is she used kind of a mind mapping method. And so I'm going to just, again, kind of take this into the context of looking for a job. So you use a mind, kind of think about a mind map, mm-hmm. and you break down the job description in categories. 
So whether that's like a group of tasks that you have to have, or these are like the responsibilities, and you can use a job description kind of as your guide, right? Because most job descriptions are pretty organized in that way. Like, you know, this is the job you're going to be doing. These are the tasks that you have to do or the skills you have to have. So one group of tasks is sort of like the brain and then the branches can be like the different skills that it will take for Mm -hmm. you to, to do that task. What she did is she went through each of the skills and circled with a green pen, the ones I, oh, I shouldn't say her because she did it in a different context. What you're going to do as a listener is you're going to go through the skills and circle with green what you know you are 100% comfortable with. I know this skill. I know how to do this task. I know how to do it well. I'm going to feel really good about it. I'm going to circle green. Mm-hmm. Circle yellow for any of those things that you maybe have knowledge about, but you could probably still use some training or, you know, gain some more experience, but you know, you're okay. Like you, you could be all right. And then circle red if you have no knowledge or experience with this skill. So this could be something that you've just never done before. You don't know a lot about. Now you look at how many greens, yellows, and reds do you have? And what she was telling me from a academic perspective is that when you actually start to look at the green, yellow, and red, it really does give you a different outlook of what you know, what you think you know, what you don't think you know. And it can help you kind of put things in perspective of, am I ready to take this job or am I not? Because Mm -hmm. there's more reds than greens. And I really don't know this skill or I'm really not comfortable with this. So I thought it was a really interesting kind of creative way of taking a pros and cons list and and actually taking it even a little deeper into what you really know. I love that. It's a visual indicator of confidence. I I, yes. I adore it. I think Isn't that's it great? really wonderful. And, you know, I mean, we could do that. We, sh- we should be doing that for our own jobs and responsibilities right now. What a great way. If you're on the fence at all, uh, what a great way to, to sort of pivot, to write down your responsibilities and say not only what, not just what I'm comfortable doing if you're looking for a job, but what am I comfortable doing now? And comfort might mean I'm, I'm happy and engaged when I'm doing this work. And right. you circle in red the stuff that I'm enraged when I'm doing this work. I, I put right. off this work, right? And, yeah. and by the end, you'll have a great sort of weighted visual indicator of the confidence you might have to stay in the job that you're currently in. Oh, I love that. I yeah. mean, that's a great way of doing that. How many reds do you have compared to greens? Yeah. And yellows you know, might be things that, that are, you're on the fence on that maybe with some tweaking and accommodations, you could turn those green. Right. Oh, I love it. Well, And something else that I just want to add that I was thinking about when we were talking about this is that it it can also not only help when you have had that job offer, but let's say that you're afraid to apply for a job because you're not really sure how your skill set's going to come into that because maybe it's a different industry. Well, this is another great exercise to do is to break down what those tasks would be in that job. And then what are your skills that would apply to those tasks? Because maybe you've never done that specific job before, but you have excellent customer service experience. You have excellent um, computer experience and, you know, having to deal with uncomfortable situations. Well, that, that, 
could work into this, this uh, task. So when you go into an interview, now you can really talk about how your strengths and skills apply to that job. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. It's great. Good. What a, what a wonderful great. tool. Yeah. Oh, no, we're going to we're going to use this for more. Yeah. For I know. When she told me this last yeah. week, I'm like, um, can I put this in the podcast? Because yeah. this is really good. It's really and, good. Uh, yeah. And she's like, sure. So yeah. huge. I win. love it. Huge. Win. Yep. All right. Uh, you you know what? Can we get does she do? Uh, should ask if she has an example of her journey that's like anonymized and that we could maybe put up as a screenshot. That would be really fun. I'd love to show people what the yeah. journey looked like. I'll ask her. Yeah. I know she has an example because she showed it to me, but I okay. have to see would be willing to have permission to, use to it. share it to the public. I don't that's know. Delightful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's a great idea and I, I love it. So. This is great. Thank you everybody for downloading and listening. Once again, you can find the show notes and hopefully a picture of this handy tool at uh, takecontroladhd.com slash podcast slash 403. Episode 403. Can you believe 403 episodes. It's crazy, isn't it's it? It's bananas. Thank you, everybody, for your time and attention. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>